Uh, this morning is my privilege to uh, introduce to you all a very familiar uh, 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 speaker. Uh, in fact, wow, okay. <laughs> in fact, uh, he was our former pastor here at EEC, Pastor Dennis Ng, and many of us uh, call him Pastor D. And so uh, we want to welcome him, Pastor D, to the stage and share the words uh, with, with us. Well, good morning, church. Well, it's great to be back. Uh, you know, I was uh, Zooming with uh, Joshua a while back when I was still in Seattle. And I said, hey, Joshua, I'll be back in Hong Kong uh, during the month of April. Can I come to preach? See, I invited myself here because I have that historical, uh, yeah, confidence that I know he's going to ask me to come to uh, share with you this morning. So glad to be back. I was here last time before I moved back to Seattle in the end of 2019. So I was here, I think I believe I was speaking on a retreat or something like that, or, or even there was once after the retreat. I was just kidding with the congregation. I say, after Pastor D, you got a Pastor E, right? Pastor E stands for Pastor Evangel, right? And now we're going to have Pastor J. So that, that's going to be what? So from E, so you got F, G, H, I, J. So if we have 10 years for each alphabet, you're going to be here for the next 50 years. So, so it's great that we're going to have Pastor Joshua here for the next 50 years, guys. So it's great to be here this morning. I'm glad to be back. As I was thinking about what to share with the congregation, so I told Joshua, I said, Joshua, maybe I'm going to be here to share with all of you to just to encourage you how we can embrace Joshua as he's going to become, be our next pastor. So let's, let's get ready for him. I mean, he's already here. I mean, let's, let's get ready to be the greatest support to Joshua as he's going to step into being the pastor of this church. Shall we do that? Okay, let's pray. Let's pray as we start. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father we thank you. You know, with you, with your power, nothing is impossible. And we know, we are so thankful for your calling that has come upon Joshua. And also for the church to confirm such calling in his life to be the next pastor at EEC. To be the pastor, not the next pastor, to be the pastor of EEC. I also am very exciting, excited and thankful for how you have called different council members to join the leadership team here at the church. May your presence be felt whenever they meet up together. May your spirit guide each one of them as they pour out their heart to build relationship and to spur one another to grow in our walk with you. Oh Lord, as now we continue to worship you through opening up your words, may you open our heart and ear so that we may thirst for your word. And, and, and as we leave this church here today, and when we go back to the outside world, may your wisdom be guiding us so that we can apply what we are learning this morning. We thank you and praise you. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, can I get my... Uh, you guys can see I'm not blocking anybody, right? Um, you know, when I was... Uh, I, I accepted Jesus when I was in Seattle. I was a uh, 16-year-old. And uh, so this is the church I go to, the Seattle Chinese Alliance Church. Um, and it's kind of funny. This church was, was uh, found 
by the pastor who served here in the 60s. Reverend Duncan Dang, when he left Emmanuel English Church in Hong Kong, he went to Seattle and he started our church in Seattle in the late 60s, early 70s. So I was shocked when I served at this church and saw Reverend Duncan Dang's picture on our, it was on our 80th anniversary or something like that, a booklet. And then I told Mrs. Dang, I said, you know, I'm back to Emmanuel. And she was so happy and excited. Oh, that's so good. You know, if Duncan was here, he would be so excited. He's in heaven now, we know. So, so it was kind of like went all full circle. I, from Seattle Chinese Alliance, came back here to serve at this church. So I accepted Christ when I was attending this church in 1979. And, and after I became a Christian, I started to find things I can do in the church. Okay, so I served in the church. Uh, I, I, I was, what, 16 years old, 17. I became the interpreter for our worship because we have bilingual worship. So they need an MC interpreter, and I speak Chinese. So say, you're up next, Dennis. So I start to be the interrupter for the MC starting <laughs> at the age of 16. And then I, I was singing in the choir, Okay, and that's where I accept, accepted Jesus. So I was singing in the choir. The choir director led me to Christ. I was a staff member in the university fellowship. We called Cornania back then, the, the fellowship name. And I, I had a car. God blessed me with a car, with a 1972 a Capri. It was a pretty good car, muscle car, kind of fast, right? It's a, it's a two-liter, two so five, uh, four-speed two-liter. So I started driving people to church. You know, on a regular Friday, I would drive about 100 miles that day, picking up people to church and taking them home afterward. So by the time I get home, it's close to midnight on Friday all the time. So I, I was uh, helping with the Seattle area, all the Chinese churches. We have joint conferences every other year. So I was asked by the pastor to help out to, to, to get that conference going every other year. So I, it was exciting. And I, I was a junior church teacher. That's where I started my teaching ministry, teaching uh, junior church, those uh, little rascals. I mean, I remember there was this one little kid. When I was teaching up front, he would crawl underneath the pew from the back all the way to the front and stand and stood right in front of me. (laughs) I was teaching in junior church. Uh, Then I become the high school uh, uh, fellowship uh, counselor after I graduated from uh, from UW. And, And when the church bought a building, but this building, I was helping to renovate this building because we want to save some money. So there's a lot of wall I torn down. You know, I was, that was the time I learned how to use a jackhammer, a time I learned how to drive a bobcat to backfill the retaining wall. That was fun. So I did so much and I become, became the uh, governing board member, which is what you call the council here, right? I became the governing board member. And, and then I was a treasurer for a church, even though I know nothing about accounting. Um, and, and then I become a Sunday school teacher. I even direct the choir for a couple of years with, with uh, a Joanne here. We let the choir, we direct a bunch of people who sing. I mean, I, I sing like do let me fa so la ti do like that. But yet nobody was able to lead the choir and, and the pastor say, hey, can you lead the choir? I say, okay, let's try that for, for a couple of years. So, you know, I have done everything in the church. There was one Sunday, uh, I was the MC for the worship. And then I turned around and direct the choir when they sung. And after they sung, the speaker came up. I was his interpreter. So there was one guy attended worship for the very first time. Later on, he asked me, 
does the church have no one else to serve? <laughs> so I was doing everything. I mean, I thought that's the way it's supposed to be. I have this mindset, say, if you become a Christian, you got to serve in the church. you got to serve as much as you can. you got to pour your life into this church, this home. But you know that? You know what? Then God took me through a journey of repentance. I, I, I started to realize, you know, He started to show me in serving Him is not how much we serve Him that mattered the most. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't serve Him. I'm not saying that we should not serve Him as much as we can. But I, I, I started to learn it is not how much we serve Him that mattered the most. Rather, there are some other more important ingredients we, we need to have or character uh, we need to have as we serve God. Now, let's read through Joshua today, chapter 13. I believe we can learn a couple of things here. And, and so that this congregation here together, we jump into the lesson that we learned so that we can support Pastor Joshua. I, I think Pastor Joshua, you're going to have a lot of funny nickname, PJ. Think about that. Oh, I know. <laughs> Pajama, you know. So, so I don't know. You're going to have a lot of funny name when people call you in the future. But but let's learn. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I just want this congregation, we just jump together and surround him. And let's learn from here today. Now, when I put a scripture up here, let's read together. Because, you know, I start to do this practice nowadays when I go out to preach, because I realize some believers, they don't read the Bible through the week. So at least when, when I preach, they get to read the Bible. So, so that's how we're going to do it. So when, we put, when I put up a, a, a passage here, let's read together. From Joshua, Joshua chapter 11 here. We start from this verse here. Let's read together. So Joshua, one, two, three. So if you're familiar with the book of Joshua, which for the old timer in here in, in Emmanuel, you should, because I preached through this book in 2008, okay? So you should know what I'm talking about. But I tell you, if you go back and dig up that sermon, it's going to be totally different because, you know, I don't just take the sermon and do a content dump on you guys. So Josh, God called Joshua to bring the Israelite into the promised land, you know? And, and if we flip back from chapter 1. Chapter 1 to 11 recorded how the Israelites, they were under the guidance of God, how they, you know, conquered their enemies, and then they obtained the, the land that God had promised them. Then Joshua chapter 12 is a very interesting chapter because it, it provided a list of kings that the Israelites defeated. So you want to read back chapter 12, a bunch of kings that the Israelites uh, defeated. And then in chapter 13, it's really starting the second half of the book of Joshua. And, and from this point onward, no more battles are recorded. Now, what does this mean? If you're going to read through the book of Joshua again, that means from the second half of the book onward, Joshua is going to enter into a different way of serving God. He's no longer taking the Israelite into the battle. But God said, well, he still has about 20 years to live, okay? So he's going to Change the way he served God. That's what happened starting from chapter 12 and onward. He served God in a different way. And then from chapter 13 to 22, talk about how Joshua distributed the land to the different tribes. 
And then when you get to, finally, when you get to chapter 23 and 24, those are the last words that Joshua had for the Israelites before he died. He, we believe he died at, a, at the age of about 110. So when he, in chapter 13 here, he's about 85, 90 years old. Think about that. That's when he changed the way he served God. That's, that's, that's the time when God called him to serve him in a different way. So let's learn from him and see how we can really surround Joshua and be the best that we can be to move this church forward under his leadership. Uh, we can learn from verses 1 to 5 this idea. is never how much we do, but how faithful we are. When we serve God, it is never how much we do, but it is how faithful we are. You know, I'm a dog lover, you know. I mean, for those of you that know me, I'm, I, you know, it was so unfortunate. We lost our dog last March, so it was painful for us. And, and you know, when we own a dog, you know, the, 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 the greatest thing we want to see our dog do is to do many tricks, right? Lie down and play dead and all that, right? But, but there's nothing. Nothing compared to a faithful dog. My first dog that Joanne and I had was a Border Collie. We got him from a rescue. We don't know how old he was, but we got him home. We moved into a new neighborhood. So there was one evening I was out walking him. He doesn't need, me, need to be on leash. So he was really good, this Border Collie. He would walk in front of me, and he would always check to see I'm behind him or not. So I was walking in our new neighborhood, and suddenly one neighbor called me, say, Dennis, Hey, I have some issue with my flooring inside my house. Can you come take a look? So I say, so I, I walk my dog to the driveway, and I told Tarzan. Tarzan was his name. I say, Tarzan, wait for daddy here. So I walk into the house. Now, remember, he's just sitting out there in the driveway by himself, right? I walk in there, talk to the guy for about five minutes. I came back out. Dog's gone. I mean, he was gone. Tarzan was no longer in, on the driveway. Oh, so it was about 8.30, 9 o'clock. So it started to get dark. So I realized I got to go home, get a flashlight, and then go look for him in the neighborhood. So I went home, okay? And then I, when I went in the house, there he was. And then Joanne later told me is, Joanne didn't know where I was, but what Tarzan did was he went home, and we have a side door in our house where it's full glass. He was sitting right outside of the side door, asking Joanne to open the door for him. So Tarzan knew the way home. He didn't want to go anywhere but home. Now that's faithfulness, right? That's a faithful dog. That kind of dog is what we want, right? He can do all the trick you want. Now in my neighborhood in Seattle right now, I can be working in my backyard and suddenly a dog will stand next to me. There's some kind of dog that's already run away. There's always, those are the kind of dogs, I don't care how many tricks you know how to do. We don't want that. We want a faithful dog, right? So serving God is the same way. I mean, God would love us to do everything, but that is not the most important thing. God wants us to be faithful as we serve him. Faithful in his calling for us. Don't replace that faithfulness with the number of things that we do for him. Faithfulness is far more important. And I bet you anything, that's what Pastor Joshua would be looking for too. It's not how many we, things we do, right? It's how faithful we are in the position that we are serving in this church. You know, let's, let's read. This is what happened here when Joshua gets old. Let's read together.
Now, I'm not going to let you read the rest of verses 4 to 5 because it talk about, it just lists out a bunch of lands, okay? So God, what, what God did was, God then lists out, you know, from verses 2 to 5, all the lands that Joshua has not conquered yet, okay? Now, that's interesting, okay? During the seven years under Joshua's leadership, the Israelites, they crossed the flooded Jordan, okay? Then they conquer the city of Jericho, okay? And then they took the city of Ai. And then they made a treaty with the Gibeonites. They were tricked into making a treaty, right? But yet they made a treaty with the Gibeonites. And then after that is Joshua, they defeated the Southern Alliance and also the Northern Alliance. And then in chapter 12, we talk about the bunch of kings that they killed, okay? So during that seven years, Jesus, I mean, Joshua did well. I mean, conquer those cities, defeat those kings. Now, the scriptures say here, as he got to be very old. Now, we believe Joshua is probably the same age as Caleb. They were the two among the 12 spies that were sent into spy the land, you know, years ago, 40 years ago. So if they are the same age, then we believe Joshua at this point is about 85 to 90 years old. So indeed, he was very old, okay? Now, when he got old, he's been serving God all these years. And the last seven years, he was faithful in leading the people to battle those, those Gibbonites and all those knights in, inside the promised land, right? Then, you know, if, if I was God, I would come up to Joshua and say, hey, good and faithful servant, you have done well. You know, that would be a great encouragement for Joshua as he looked ahead to serve God, right? He's, like I say, he still have 20 more years, 20 to 25 more years to live. That would be the right thing for God to say, right? But in, in, interesting, what did God say here? Say, hey, you are now very old. And then what did God say? And there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. What does that mean? You have not finished your job. You have not done your job. The task is still not completed yet. You have fought seven years with the Israelites. But guess what? You have not done your job yet. You have not completed the task yet. There is still a lot of area that you have not conquered. Now, this has to be discouraging to Joshua. If, if I was Joshua, I would be discouraged. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, we know... Pastor Josh is going to come up soon, right? He's going to serve here. So in the past few months, we take up a role in this church just to show that I support you, right? And I've been working so hard for the last four or five months. And then after four or five months, we sit down here and we have an evaluation. We pray and see, hey, God, tell us how we're doing. And then God said, you know what? You guys are getting tired. You know, I know you're tired, but guess what? There's still so much more to do in EEC. This guy, it's just exactly what Josh is hearing here. Right? I mean, God didn't say, oh, Stephanie, right? Oh, you have done great in leading the worship team, but guess what? There's so much people you need to train for them to become a worship leader. <laughs> All right? It's just kind of like that, right? That can be very discouraging. But we need to ask, is this what God is saying here? Is this what God is saying? Is it God, is, is it God trying to discourage Joshua here? Now, looking back, if we flip open, we're not going to, but if we flip open to First and Second Samuel, then we will see that the Philistine tribe, the race, 
They were not defeated by Joshua. They would be defeated much later. Remember the story of David and and Goliath? So you know at this point in Joshua 13, those people are still out there somewhere. Okay? So we know that Joshua has not destroyed them yet. And actually, we don't need First and Samuel to tell us that. If we read from this, let's read together. We'll see that even at that time, those people in the promised land, they were still well alive. They were living in the promised land that where the Israelites tried to take them. Let's read together here. Gaza, Gath, and Astor. So we know from chapter 11 here that there are still some Philistines somewhere. I mean, Joshua did not totally destroy them. So, so, so yeah, it's indeed that Joshua did not complete his, ta- his task. But do we call that a failure? Of course not. Even though there are still much remain to be done uh, as indicated by chapter 11 here and also by chapter 12, uh, 13 here, the verses that we just read earlier, even though there are still work to be done, the, vic- the victory that the Israelites had was considered total. Why? Because of the faithfulness of Joshua. You know, he was faithful when he was called to lead the people across the Jordan. If you go back to the earlier chapter of the book of Joshua, you will see that at that time, the river Jordan was flooded, all okay? right? I mean, if you go, go with me to, to, to the Holy Land nowadays, Jordan River is probably as wide as this stage only. You can just climb, leap over from one side to the other side. You can go from Israel to Jordan in a single leap. But back in Joshua's time, the, the, the Jordan River was flooded beyond the, the, the sh- regular shoreline that it has. Actually, I was with a group in Israel. We took them to, to, uh, to another site in Jordan River. There was a little house by the, by the about uh, 20 feet from the, from the river, Jordan River. And then on the top of the house, there was a little marker say, flat water. And then I sat there and looked at, wow, this is what Joshua had to deal with when he was taking the people away. He was faithful. When God said, get the priest, stick their foot feet into the, the river, and then the river will dry it up. He was faithful in following God's direction. And then after they crossed the Jordan, what did they do? Circumcision. Think about that. If you've been to Israel, I tell you, from River Jordan to the city of Jericho, it's only a 10-minute bus ride. 10 minutes. And I was, when I was riding that bus to Jericho, I started to think, there's about 2 million Israelites they just crossed the Jordan. And after they crossed, what happened? The river covered up again. There's no way for them to go back. And yet Jericho is right in front of them. And God said, since none of these new generation received the circumcision yet, you got to circumcise all the young men in front of the enemy. They're like sitting duck. But what did Joshua do? He was faithful. Follow the order. So all the young men, they were circumcised. And they're going to sit there and wait to be healed. And after they take the seat of Jericho, how do they do that? Go around it, 
six times around the seventh day, shout and jump, right? So I was expecting, I see some ruin in Jericho, right, when I get there. None, no, there's no ruin. So they, if you're going to go to Jericho, you see nothing of like that. I was expecting to see the wall of Jericho, those big blocks, right? But Joshua was faithful in following God's order in taking the city of Jericho. See, Joshua was faithful, and that's why he was considered successful in the way that he led the Israelites into the promised land. It's never how much we do, but how faithful we are. The Apostle Paul, the furthest he brought the gospel was to Rome. I was just in uh, Greece and Turkey this past month. I was taking a group of people to go through the uh, Paul's missionary journey and then go visit the seven churches of Revelation in Turkey. So we were able to travel from uh, Corinth all the way up to uh, uh, Thessalonica and also to Philippi and then cross back over to, to Turkey. So Paul walked a long way, all right? There's about 400 kilometers right there. He was walking. He was bringing the gospel to the end of the world, right? How far did he get? Rome. In the book of Roman, he talked about he wanted to go to Spain. And along that journey, he would go visit the church in Rome, but he never get to Spain. So was he a failure in bringing the gospel to the end of the world? Of course not. God intended for him to end his ministry in Rome. So Paul was not a failure. It's not how far he took the gospel. It's how faithful he was. Every city he went to, when he go into the synagogues and preach to the Jews, and if they reject him, what does he do? Oh, take a day off. Let's hang out with some barbecue. No. Then he turned to the pagans and started sharing the gospel with them. Right? That's what Paul did. I mean, it's amazing. All, all this journey that I say, wow, he walked through all the way. And I took the bus and I thought it was tiring. And he walked all those way. All the way. Once he come into the Macedonian region, walked all the way down to Corinth, to, to Athens, preaching. And you know, when we get there, what we see, we don't see a whole lot of churches. We see a lot of those temples that worship idols. I mean, on this on top of this hill, that temple was so amazingly huge. Then I sat there and said, man, Paul, it has to be tough for him to preach the gospel in that town. But yet he did. See, Paul was successful not on how many race he, 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 he reached, how, how, how many people he, he brought to Christ. Paul was successful in his calling to God because he was faithful. You know, there is this um, first century bishop of Rome, Pope Clement I. He wrote in his letter, the epistle to Clement or the epistle to the Corinthians. This is what he wrote about Paul. Say, Paul had borne his testimony before the ruler. He departed from the world and went unto the holy place. Having been found what? A notable pattern of patient endurance. I mean, Paul died preaching the gospel. Paul died preaching the gospel. He was faithful to the very end. You know, what I said earlier, at least at Emmanuel, this is the second time I'm preaching, preaching through Joshua chapter 13. 
I have preached to the book of Joshua at least five times because I serve in four different churches. And each time when I preach, I don't just take the previous sermon and do a content dump to the congregation. The way I remain faithful in my preaching ministry is I sit down and I think of the congregation. And I want to share something that God wants me to share with that congregation. That's being faithful. I don't know whether I'm going to preach through Joshua again. But if I have to do that over again, it's going to be the same way. It's going to be the same way. So it's never how much we do. But again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do as much as we can. But what is more important is how faithful we are. You know, dear congregation, on behalf of the council, I want to thank each one of you who is serving somewhere within this congregation. I remember Auntie Ruth and I, you know, in our time when I was here, we would have Appreciation Sunday. We would sit down and write down every individual who's serving in this church. And we make sure we, we have everybody's name on it and we prepare a gift for those individuals. You know, so I know there's a lot of people serving in this congregation. So, so for that, I want to, you know, thank you for, for how you have committed yourself to serve here. But when, when we serve God, the going can get tough. We can get tired. We will feel burnout. You know, we might have the thought, you know, oh, there's so much more to do. Because the more you do, God's going to reveal to you there's more need to be done. Not that he's trying to discourage you, but he's trying to remind us it's the faithfulness. It's our faithfulness that counts. And it is in these moments when these thoughts start to pop up, you know, we need to remind ourselves. We just have to remain faithful, and that would be okay. You know how I can be sure? Let's read on to, to verses 6 to 7. Because verse 6 to 7 reminds us this, that, you know, it is never us serving alone, but God actively working with us as we serve. It's never us serving alone. It's God who's actively working with us and through us. This is what the scriptures say. Let's read together. So what happened in, in, in the first part, verses 5, you know, one to, seven, uh, 1 to 5 there, it lists out the area that Joshua had not conquered yet. And then in verse 6 here, starting in verse 6, it shifts the focus to the unconquered people, okay, that it still exists in the promised land. So that's, that's a shift here, okay? But, but the important part here is, remember that God said in here, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. He talked about areas that you have not conquered yet. And then he talked about the people that you have not defeated yet. But then God said, I myself will, that's just exactly what I say, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. You know, when God calls us to serve him, he just does not just call us and fold our hands and say, hey, let's, let's see how you're going to do. God doesn't do that, okay? 
God will work actively with us and through us. And it is through such partnership that will bring results that's beyond our imagination. You know, I graduated in, uh, from seminary in, 20, uh, in 2002. I studied seminary here in Hong Kong. Then I went back to Seattle when I graduated. After about one year, in, 2020, uh, in 2003, so a year after my graduation, the church said, hey, Dennis, you're going to lead a team of people to go plant a new church. I said, right. Fresh out of seminary. And I tell you a secret. They never taught you how to plant a church. <laughs> never. And there it is. God said, hey, Dennis, you got to go out. You got to take these people and go plant a church in south of Seattle. So I went out, and I remember um, not too long after we launched our very first service. So during one of the uh, sermon hours, I shared with the congregation. I said to them, I say, hey, dear congregation, as a new grad from seminary, I have no idea how to be your pastor. But the seminary professor who taught me preaching reminded me this, that if God ever give us a pulpit, we got to hold on to it. We got to serve the congregation with his words. So I told him, I said, I will have my shortcoming in leading this church, but I will be faithful in teaching God's truth. And it is with such mindset, I schedule myself to preach at least three times a month. So out of 52 weeks in a year, I preach about 40, 45 times of the year. And when I get to Emmanuel, I did the same thing. Ask David and Ruth. I preach as often as I can. Because why? That's the only thing I know how to do. I mean, you guys can't walk out on me, so you're stuck here. So if I preach every week, you're going to still be here. So, so I did that. That's all I could do. Not only that, when we first started that church, I have to leave Sunday school. I have to teach Sunday school every week. I have to lead a Bible study every Wednesday night on the prayer meeting. So I have three different teaching ministries, all right? Every week, throughout the year. And, you know, I still remember after about a year, year and a, about a year and a half, see, I was supposed to be on loan to do this church plan. And then after two years, I'm supposed to return back to the home church and do the next church plan. So about a year and a half into this church plan, I met up with the, the vice chair of the governing board at that point. I told him, I said, hey, you know, we got to start to do this job description so that I can, you know, we can hire another pastor to take over my role and I can return back to the home church. I still remember what they shared with me, this couple. I was at their home. They came up, they, they shared with me after I request them to, you know, do this job description and go hire another pastor. They said, Dennis, you are our pastor. Can you stay with us and tell the home church to hire someone else? <laughs> you know, did I became a pastor who can so-called run the church after that year, year and a half? No. Was I able to become a shepherd to everyone who need feeding in that congregation? No. Did I preach like a seasoned pastor whose sermon touched everybody's heart? No. Did I teach Sunday school class or lead Bible study like a scholar? Of course not. All I did was I commit myself 
to be faithful to God in his calling, to teach his truth. And God actively worked with me and worked through me to show the congregation that I can be their pastor. See, that's, that's what's going to happen. When we serve faithfully in the position that God's calling us to serve him, if we do that, God will actively serve with us and through us to bring amazing results. So I served in that church until 2008. I came back to Hong Kong. You know, Yang Yi from Chinese congregation know that I was moving back to Hong Kong. So he asked, hey, will you want to serve at Emmanuel? I interviewed with you guys, right? I didn't want to come. You know, I mean, you guys know, I didn't want to come in the beginning. I was going to go to a, another church, Chinese church. Because think about this. I use Chinese in Seattle when I serve. But then when I come back to Hong Kong, I got to use English. It's kind of, kind of, kind of weird. And, and everything that I have prepared for all those years, I cannot use here. Okay, just think about that. All the Sunday school, all the sermon, I, I cannot. I mean, just think about that. Why would I want to come to Emmanuel? But you know what? God pried open my heart on the Sunday before I left Hong Kong after the interview and say, this is the place you, you have to come. So I, so I, I came to, to Emmanuel. And the hardest thing was what? Was the church asked me, I got to be with the igniters. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what igniter is, igniters is the high school group here at the church. I haven't been with you for more than 10 years. And they said, the church said, hey, when you come to the church, you got to work with the igniters. It's hard. There's Monday prayer meeting at Auntie Ruth's house. And if they are on vacation, you know where we're going to go now? Remember, we got to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken at Yao Yasing to pray. <laughs> and it costs me 500 bucks every time. <laughs> because I got to feed them. Right? And then... On Friday night, there's a basketball court out there, right? They wouldn't leave. And I have to stay here and say, can you guys leave? I mean, I got locked up, you know? They would, I mean, it was hard for me to serve among the youth at that time. And, and, and I say, wow, very, very difficult. And what's worse is 99% of these youth, they're gone after the high school graduation because they go overseas and study. I mean, today you guys are blessed because, like, some of you came back, okay? Back in my years, none of you came back. I don't know why it's that by plan or something. None of these high schoolers went out to stay to Canada or stay or Australia, wherever to study. They don't come back. And to me, I say, wow, how am I going to further develop this church? I say, there's no problem. We're going to go. Again, CIS was right next to us. And then ICS moved from Kowloon City to, uh, what's that place? Samwon. And you know, so I got to get, stick my feet into those two schools. I preached at the CIS morning chapel, right? I went to your retreat, right? Now, remember? And now I got to go to ICS. So they invited me to do their alpha course. They do to preach. So I just tried to, you know, further expand the church as much as possible. Then one of the council members introduced me to one of the high school here in Hormantine. So I went up to that school and talked to their English teacher. I said, can I bring a bunch of kids over, their native speaker? Can we have some kind of program in the afternoon so we can, this bunch of kids can speak English with your student so that they know how to, you know, they will improve their, their conversational skill. The teacher said, great idea, Dennis, why don't you come? So we have everything, get ready. 
And then that summer, they changed to a new principal. And then the new principal said, no, thank you. <laughs> because that was a Catholic church background school. Okay? The previous principal and the teacher really want us to be there. Boom! My, it was hard, I tell you. Now, we will face challenges as we serve. And during this moment, what do we do? Just because we're faithful doesn't mean that we won't face challenges. I mean, in the outside world, when we are dealing with challenge at work, what do we do? We get more resource. We ask for our boss for more time. And then if, if a place that needs more money, we ask for more money. But it's going to be different when we're serving in the church. Here's, I believe, what we need to do. When we need to deal with a time where when we serve faithfully, but yet challenges still pile up around us, we need to be close to God. You don't just go out to look for us, Joshua, can we have more resource to help us? No, that's not the first thing you ask. Can the church put in a bit more money? Can we hire another staff? No, that might be the ultimate solution, but that's not the first thing we look for. The first thing we look for what? Is how is my relationship with God today? And for those of you who are serving right now, it's worth asking ourselves, how are we doing with our relationship with God? You know, I served, after I left Emmanuel, I went to the other church in Jordan, the EFCC Spring Church. You know what the senior pastor did? Every time when we have pastoral meeting, a bunch of, uh, 10 of us would get together. The senior pastor would ask each one of us to share our devotion. Why? He wanted to remind us, as we serve God, it's not my ability that it's not how much I'm doing. It's my relationship with God. He would spend half of the, our meeting time having us share devotion. Then we go into discuss about various ministry. That, that's, that, that's a great me, me, reminder to me that it is how close we are to God as we serve. You know, the more we serve, the more we need to connect to God. I mean, I invite all of us, particularly those of us who are serving in this congregation, to ask ourselves, how is our connection with God today? And if we are to ask this question in a more practical way, it's this. Are we spending time with Him through prayer and His words? Do we think of Him during the day? Are we being sensitive to His guidance in our life? Are there sins that hinder us from seeing him or hearing him clearly? And as a pastor, for me and Joshua, it's no different. We have to ask ourselves the same question. We need to be connected to God in order for us to lead the church. You know, I just got a, a job this past, starting this past March. You know, I was a freelance retired pastor for a while. And then my home church hired me again asking me to go back to serve in their English-speaking congregation to help them to find the next senior pastor. As I serve in that role, I have to ask myself, how am I connected with God? How am I going to lead the leadership to look for the next pastor? It's not by my skill, my experience. It's by how close we are to God. You know, in the years that I served here at Emmanuel, it's great. I still remember one Sunday... You know, I had a council meeting, 
At that point, my father was already in, in the hospital for three months. I had to take care of my father. I would do all the church things, the igniter things and all that. I would preach and teach and all that. I asked the council. I said, I can't. I can't handle that. And then the council said, no problem, Dennis. We consider you taking care of your father as part of your ministry here at EEC. Wow, that was so comforting to hear from the leadership that, you know, they view me going out every day to the hospital to see my dad as part of my ministry. So I said, oh, that's cool. Then I, I, I remember the following Monday, a family in this home here ran into some trouble, so they called me up. Say, Pastor D, can you come and help? I said, sure, sure why not? So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Don't forget, Monday night there's prayer meeting for igniters. Tuesday is my day off, okay? Okay? So I spend time with this family Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday, we have prayer meeting, okay? And then Thursday, I got to start working on my sermon, my Sunday school, all right? Well, it was hard. Time's running out, you know? But I realized I'm not serving alone. God is working with me and through me. So what he did was he made the moon and, and sun stop for me. And I still remember, by the time I finished my sermon preparation on Friday, it was 5 o'clock white on the dot. God was good. God was good. And that's how it is. When we serve faithfully and when we are connected with God, God will actively serve with us and through us. I remember after that week, I told the church, I say, oh, it was a tough week, church. I can't, I can't. Uh, it's not fair to the church if I'm the senior pastor and have such a heavy low. I, I need to step down. I clearly remember that. You know, I need to step down to be fair to the church, to be fair to the congregation. Um, and also I thought of my dad was not a Christian at that point. I said when he comes out of the hospital, he needs to go to a church. He doesn't speak English, so I cannot bring him here. So it was at 2012 that year, that I left EEC, I served at the Spring Church, and I brought my dad to church only twice, only twice. But one day, the three pastors from the church, myself, my senior pastor, and also another, Chinese, another pastor, we went to his home in Tinborn, March 18, 2015. The three of us just grilled him. And he finally, he was in tears, admitting that he needs God. So I baptized him in his home in front of my siblings that day. You know, when you serve God faithfully and when you are connected with him, he will work miracle with you and through you, my dear friend. As we look ahead for Joshua, he's already your pastor. He hasn't finished seminary study yet, so you guys got to give him some slack when he you know, need to do his homework and write his paper. Now, if you need some paper from me, let me know, okay? <laughs> so, as we're going to gather around him and support him to be the pastor in this church, dear congregation, remember this. It's never how much you do that matters the most. It's how faithful we are. When God calls you to serve in whatever ministry in this church, we need to be faithful. And as we do that, I guarantee you, 
together under the leadership of Pastor Joshua, we will see how God will work with us and through us, not only to bring growth to all of you, but yet we will draw more people from the outside. And so that more will come to know Christ and more will get the chance to receive this eternal blessing, eternal life in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for your calling that come upon Joshua. You know, he's, he's a brave man as he responds to your calling and be willing to take this step to become the next servant here in this church. So I pray for this congregation that we will arouse, uh, to, to stick around him, to, 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 to build this. We become your, your servant in this church also, that together we will serve together faithfully so that you will use this church for your kingdom. And you know, as an outsider myself, I'm praying that as I watch EEC take this step, that I will be able to see how you will work actively with and through them for your kingdom and for all the lost souls who are still out there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.